Welcome to No Clear Answers, where we explore the common challenges all humans, creators, and leaders face, and we break down preconceived notions of common self-help ideas. We are your hosts. I'm Ricky Goldenberg. I'm Justin Mulvaney. And I'm Dr. Corey Wilkes. Happy well, New Year? Happy New Year! Because <laughs> that's when they'll be listening to it, right? Happy that's New Year! Nice. I feel like I should have a hat and like a... Or Merry, Merry Christmas, whatever. Happy Holidays. Yeah, this is our we're doing a new year's episode all things new years we're playing it around with um taking this one a little loose it's going to be kind of a fun loose exploration for you to digest over your holiday season talking about all things new year's resolutions reflections how do we do all of that stuff do we do it at all i don't know y'all do you have i have a i have a list but Are was there prepared? anything you all felt like would be fun to talk about together. I think a, a logical way to look at it is <clears throat> toward the end of the year slash beginning of the year is when a lot of people are doing like annual reviews for the last year and then setting up like new year's resolutions for the coming year. So yeah. I don't know if you'll want to like go through that journey or start somewhere else, but like that's, that's kind of how I think about it. It's like kind of starting with annual review stuff what people get right, what people potentially get wrong, whatever. And then moving into setting yourself up for success in the next year. I also, I think it, especially in this one specifically, because I feel like sometimes there's, and we usually talk about this, but sometimes there's school of thoughts around this kind of stuff versus what we ourselves might do as so well, I'm, which I think is important I'm, to denote the difference between the two, because sometimes we don't do what we say we should do. I'm we very curious about what y'all do now versus what you've historically done. Mm-hmm. Also very interested in sharing that. Ricky the balloons. Guys, <laughs> guys I updated my Mac. I don't know. It, it said to update it. I updated it and I don't know why it does that. <sighs> and now if you're watching video, there are balloons panic. that came up by Ricky because she gave peace symbols. But, um, I'm all, but I'd I'm also like to – reserve some time at the end to hear um cory i know you just released a piece about this but how you actually are thinking about 2024 i'm curious mm-hmm. how what each of us are thinking about the year i thought that would be really fun so agreed. It, it sounds like the logical starting point is annual reviews you know which, what, do, what if, do we think about them wait i will say though that if anyone's listening to this and wants to do an annual review justin we should link the annual review um ricky and i led one last we year led one last year and it was super uh, cool yeah it's promotion for a failed endeavor which then birthed no clear answers but it is on youtube that's true. so i will i will link that yeah but it was that's like a very interesting very effective technique that we leveraged and created and the people who participated in it were like that really broke my brain a little bit so if you do like an annual review we should link that in this episode and people can go through the process themselves and try it out. 
Great I'm actually plan. like finishing an article now about how failure can lead to success or like how you can turn failures into success. Are and that was us? one of the examples I gave was like our failed fucking workshop series that turned into mm -hmm. this podcast. Cause like we just, nobody bought it, but then we're like, well, these topics we created are fucking dope. We like working together. Let's do a fucking podcast. So like failure leading to success can also be a, a future episode. Anyway. Love a pivot. Yes, agreed. So annual reviews. What are our collective thoughts, feelings on annual reviews? Not collective, individual. I don't want our collective. I want to know what each of us thinks. So <clears throat> in, in my space with creators, it is very common for people to publish their annual reviews and then people kind of chime in, do you know responses to those, that kind of thing. And you don't have to publish your annual review, but I do think that they're really, they can be valuable um, for cultivating insights and just sort of reflecting on the last year. Uh, but a lot of times creators, they'll publish them, which that allows you as a reader to see how somebody thinks, which is really fun. The issue I think a lot of people run into is their annual reviews are very externally focused. So like, <clears throat> this was my revenue target. This was what I actually did. You know, I hit it. I didn't hit it. I exceeded it, whatever. And a lot of them tend to revolve around these more external metrics. I got this many followers. I made this much money. I did whatever. And that's fine. <clears throat> but I think that it can be much more helpful if you focus more inwardly on like, why did you make the decisions you made? sort of like reflecting on much more of like the, the internal aspects and not even thinking about it in binary. Like, did I hit my revenue targets or did I do X? Right. Well, that's a yes or no. <clears throat> and just like, you know, what we all know, like as, as coaches asking like, yes, or like closed ended questions rarely yields a lot of information, right? Did you do this? Did you do X, Y, or Z? Did this happen? Not particularly helpful versus if you ask more open-ended questions. Why did you do this? How did this pan out? What was your, your, your thought process behind making that decision? That to me yields a much more robust information that you can then take with you into the future. It allows you to much more holistically reflect on the last year. And it's like, well, you know, I said that this was my goal for the year. But then internally, this is what was going on, or this, these were how, you know, these were the outcomes that my actions led to sort of a thing. So a couple of questions that I, I use myself. And like you said, Justin, I just published this on my, on my website, but a couple of questions I have been using that have been super helpful are things like, <clears throat> where did I think too small? Because it's really easy for us to let limiting beliefs and things sort of persuade us to not take risks or put ourselves out there or to just minimize the impact we want to have, or we know we're capable of having. So where did I think too small, but at the same time, following that up with how did I overcomplicate things, right? Like I literally have a post-it note with like a couple, just like reminders of basically anytime I've gotten in my own way, it's usually one of these things. So all of my own like reflection questions revolve around how did I get in my own way? Because the better I understand 
how I've gotten in my own way the last year gives me more data that I can use for the next year to hopefully not get in my own way. Right. Um, another thing I, I really look at is sort of what games did I play and optimize for? <clears throat> so like for, for me, the last couple years I've played the games of social media of like trying to grow my Twitter, doing the, the threads and all this other shit. And then I realized I don't really want to win that game. I don't really want to play that game. Right. There are other games I would rather play. Right. We talk about, you know, infinite games. Like what is something that you can do just for the pure joy of it without a deadline? Right. Well, for me, that is writing, that is making videos, that is, you know, doing, you know, podcasting, things like that. So really focusing on what are the few games I actually want to play and play those rather than trying to fuck with status games or doing what, you know, you're quote unquote supposed to do all those other things. That's been really helpful. Um, I'm not going to go through all my questions, but another big question <clears throat> I've been asking myself is how much time am I spending in the lab versus in the arena? And what I mean by that is the lab is where like you just, you sit around and you theory craft, you come up with ideas, you plan things out. You have these big, long convoluted, you know, business plans, content plans. I'm going to do this. And then this is my roadmap and da, da, da. And that's all well and good, but the lab is safe, right? You're not ever actually hitting publish. You're never launching the thing. You're talking about doing the thing. You're planning to do the thing, but you're not actually doing the thing. Versus the arena is when you actually hit publish, you put yourself and your ideas out there. The arena is very dangerous, right? And your ideas are very precious to you. They're, they're very fragile. But you can't improve. Your ideas can't evolve until you actually go into the arena and you put those things out there to start getting feedback. So anytime I've felt that I've kind of hit a plateau or I've just kind of stagnated in some point, it has typically been because I have been spending too much time in the lab and not enough in the arena. So how do I, yes, you need to think and, and, and plan to an extent, but then as soon as you can, as is feasible, moving into the arena, that is how you're, you're going to grow exponentially in my mind. There's the ones I'll, I'll end with for now. I like Corey that you <clears throat> go read Corey's article. Cause the questions in there, there's like eight of them. There's not too many is one. Um, and I'll talk about my thoughts on really in-depth reviews. I used to do them. And there's a Corey, there's like a way that you your questions encourage backward reflection as a means of reorienting toward what I want now and how can I get out of my own way around them. And I think that's like for me, I really like around the, using the new year as a real check-in to like zoom way out and go, what do I actually really want? And creating more intention about that and your questions feel like they're really in service of that to me. Thank you. Ricky, what are you, what are your thoughts on annual reviews? I'm aligned in many ways. I think the thing that, the thing that I run into is that first of all, just because it's the end of the year doesn't mean you have to do this right now. So, so that's, that's one of the things that drives me a little bit crazy about like December and January is that there's, there's so much energy around it, but you can also harness this at different times. Like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, and I'm going to do this because it's December and this is when you do it. And then I'll, but ultimately I think it's around creating your own cadence to ensure that you have periods of self-reflection in order to obtain learnings. 
that's really important. So, and Corey and Justin, you're both sort of speaking to this, but ultimately at the end of the day, you can have targets and metrics and measurements. And that's, those are like OKRs, they're KPIs. They're, I'm going to hit this goal and I either met it or I didn't. Cool. But what needs to shift the difference between OKRs, KPIs, like a monthly review that you might do in terms of your business is at the end of the year, the annual review is going to be much more focused on, well, what have I learned? How do I feel about this year? And what is that going to shift or change for next year? What am I going to do next year? How is this going to inform the actions that I'm taking in the future? A lot of us use it as like a a wrap up to prove what we did or didn't do. And I think Corey, similar to you, it, it ends up just highlighting the, the numbers rather than really, what are the learnings? What have I adapted? What have I changed? And rather than just being like, oh, how could I get bigger and bigger and bigger? There can be a lot of compassion, self-compassion and grace in terms of, well, what have I learned this year? Where have I pushed myself to try something new? The one thing I'll say is that because the folks that I work with, they're often doing performance reviews, right? I work with a lot of folks who work in corporate, so they might be doing performance reviews and or I work with people who might have their own businesses. In those situations, I think that the annual review at the end of the year is actually very important because if you're doing it just work-related, you're not actually thinking about your life. Like you actually need to take a step back and not just say, oh, did I hit my metrics for work? But also, did I show up this year the way that I want to show up? And yes, no, if not, how do I want to show up next year? Same with people who are starting their own business. One of the biggest, not mistakes, but mishaps that I see with a lot of folks when they're starting something on their own is that they approach it incredibly organically, which ultimately means they don't know what's going on in their business. They're not actually taking time to think about what are my goals? How do I want to push myself? What does good look like? And so that's... This is a good time to do that as well for individuals who are starting their own thing rather than just like, oh, I'm kind of following along on the threads, getting pulled and it's reactive versus, oh, I'm proactively thinking about what I want next year to look like and what have I learned from this year. And so a lot of the folks that I work with have their own businesses and if they aren't doing some kind of reflection on both their business and also life, I think that's really important. A lot of people choose one, don't really pay attention to everything. So I'm a fan. I just don't think it has to have the same like, oh, it's December. Let's check how we're doing. Like you can do it in January. You can do it in February. I don't care. You can also do it like daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. Oh yeah. Riley, if you have the right questions. Yeah. And that's a big thing, right? Is an annual review should be something you only do annually. Right. Like, no, you oh can, my God, you're not going to remember if you, anything. If you have, if you use the right questions and, and, and that are effective, like time bound, these same questions are just like what I said, like every week, I, every day, sometimes I ask myself, how am I overcomplicating things? Where am I thinking too small? Right. Am I spending too much time in the lab versus the arena? Right. Like these are things that you can just constantly ask yourself and you can like you can in a structured way, reflect on them, like take out your journal in the mornings or every week you do a weekly review, whatever works for you. But if you find the right questions that are open-ended enough, you can use them on a very regular basis. 
And I think, Corey, that's really important to note is that a lot of people wait until December to try to do the whole year. They don't remember anything. And ultimately, having those moments of reflection, whether it's daily, monthly, quarterly, whatever you want to do, gives you opportunities to reflect, obtain learnings, and pivot as needed. And I think that's really big because I also think it helps you harness not just January, but if you're like, oh, I want to make a change, I want to do something new, that could happen on any regular Monday. Can, can we demystify that point for a second? Because I, I'm curious what you all actually do. Because I, I think there's a there's um one thing that we could take away from this. Oh, I need strict every quarter. I need something on my calendar to do a strict review, or every month. And I'm wondering because frankly, I used to do that. I used to have strict monthly, quarterly reviews. I found them to be more about control and also. Mm. Uh, not super useful. Whereas what I find these days is it's much more of a daily weekly practice. It's just a reflection, like on a daily basis, where am I at? What's important today? Where am I in my own way? Mm -hmm. And then queuing up my weeks to be effective. And then much less frequently actually zooming out to this 10,000 foot level. But I find I don't need to, if I'm like, it's like, I'm thinking of a captain of a ship he doesn't need to make zoom way out and make huge macro adjustments. If every day he's going, are we still on course? Are we still on course? What's the port we're going to? Are we still on course? The only time. So to, to answer that, I, I do weekly. I focus on weekly just because some days I have more energy. Some days I have less, right? Like I have a kiddo. She might wake up at three o'clock in the morning. That's going to impact my next day. And I'm not going to make myself crazy over it. So I have, the weekly set it up. I usually set it up on Fridays, not Mondays, because Fridays let me close down my week and think about the next week. And then I get to like have my weekend not thinking about, oh my gosh, what am I going to do on Monday? And then on a daily basis, I'll be like, okay, so this is where I'm going. The only time, Justin, that you made me think of that sometimes I go a little bit more expansive is if I have a bigger project that I haven't yet done before, right? So that's usually around just generally working through and working in and working on my business. But sometimes if I'm taking on something new that I'm trying to not play small in the world of Corey, sometimes that I will actually have more of a, okay, so in this month, what am I trying to accomplish in order to move that forward? If this project is going to take me four months, but that requires having that monthly check-in because you learn stuff, right? If it's something that I haven't done for the first time, I might be getting my own way. I might need additional support that I hadn't thought through. I might need to reassess what my timeline was because I put together a timeline that was insane because I didn't know anything. So that's that's how I sort of differentiate them a little bit in terms of thinking about, is this just the general working through my business in the direction that I know I want to go? Or am I taking on something net new that might kind of rock the waters a little bit? I have tried to internalize a lot of these questions. <clears throat> so it's, it's more like a, like a constant thing, right? That's um, it. That's, that's just briefly great. That's what I'm pointing to. I think people like we glorify the zoom out and it's like, it'd be easy to go put it on your calendar quarterly or monthly, but it like, I found it's much more effective to internalize the questions that are important. Oh, hell me. yeah. Yeah. So keep going. I just, I think that's just ding, 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 ding. That is actually what it well, is. We just me. don't create time for reflection. And when we do it, we shy away from it because we don't always like what happens. So like I said, I, I do internalize it, but I also see the value in occasionally 
taking like carving out time where there are no distractions and and you specifically you do like you know the big picture work occasionally whatever that is is for you like that may be like you meditate for 30 minutes at the beginning of your day or you every you know month you take off a day and then you just like you fucking sketch shit out whatever you know people talk about you know people like bill gates he would do like think weeks and he'd take like a week or two off and he would just totally disconnect read a fuck ton of books and like really ideate on the future of the company cultivating stillness is is very very important and very powerful but what that looks like to you specifically can be very can you know vary right so like maybe for me occasionally i will take like a a late night shower I'll blast some music and I'm like this shower, like I'm, I'm clean. <clears throat> this shower is, is more of like a meditation. This is for me to, to think and reflect on like how shit been going, where I want shit to go. This and this time <clears throat> allows me to be proactive rather than reactive. Right. <laughs> that is an example, right? If you want to fucking meditate on a fucking poof and chant ohm, that works too. Right. I would rather listen to fucking metal or some sort of ambient shit in the shower because then I'm relaxed. My mind can just kind of wander around. And that's super helpful for me. Right. Like, also, I think just being in water, very transformative. Here's the deal. My fat ass, we don't have a tub that I can fit in because I would love, love a goddamn bubble bath. I just, I physically don't fit in regular sized tubs. Like, in in any comfortable way. I need like a garden tub and we just don't have one right now. So a shower it is. <laughs> something to work towards. That's something you're not going to hear on any other self-help podcast. Try late night showers when you're already clean to metal music for your reflection. You wait, it's a true story though. Let's be real. A shower is like some of our best thinking time. 100%. Is it not? It's some of the best thinking time because you can't do anything else. You're just like in the sensory experience. And There's it isn't the- effortful. Because hopefully yes. by this point in your life, you know how to wash your own ass without it taking much like brain effort. So it's an automatic task, which so. frees your mind up to think about other things. If you either give it that space or give it a prompt to consider, if you don't, then you're going to rehash some bullshit that happened in fourth grade and how you wish an argument would have gone right. Like then it's, it's very unproductive, right? But if you give your mind the right prompt or you specifically give it the space, you can come out with insane insights. I like that there's a real edge there. That it, it's almost like when someone takes like a, a like Adderall medication for the first time, you're like, you better be sitting in front of your desk to do your work. Otherwise, you're going on a weird journey. That's what that sounds like I like, like to that me. Corey can manifest soapbox energy around things that I didn't know one could have. So he felt so around. strongly like about wasting your time, your reflective strongly. time in the shower. Yeah, someone who. Um, prides himself on being quite stoic. He has a lot of emotions. They're just intense. And controlled. And controlled. Um, and a I garden tub. About, I want to talk about reviews. Just so I'm going to bring us back you. in and tell, tell <laughs> um, Yeah, my relationship to annual reviews now is interesting because I used to do like a real – there were a couple of years there were like a real intense one. Like, cause one, like either Tim Ferriss promoted it or someone through Tim Ferriss was like, it's the ultimate annual review. And I did like so much. It took like a weekend to do. Like it was like in a lot of life coaching circles, they use like wheel of life, like rate these different dimensions of your life, then rate what you want them to be. It was 
I'd go back through my journal for the entire year while looking at my calendar and both jot down, oh, what were major learnings I had throughout the year that I want to capture? And Tim Ferriss had this Pareto principle thing where it was like, note all the things that were, when you look at your calendar, significant energy increases, significant energy drains, and just the neutral meh, 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 meh. It's kind of like an energy audit for the fucking year. Uh, as well as like highlights, lowlights, but like it was really intense. And like I said before, my experience when people like are like, I have this annual review that takes eight to 10 hours or 12 hours, sit down for 12 hours or whatever. I, for me, it almost feels more like I want to make sure I'm not missing anything over I'm getting the important stuff. And so for me now, it's like I would rather have a much shorter review that's just what's the important stuff than trying to be comprehensive. And we, we did that last year, Ricky, in the YouTube. But I, like honestly, this year I'm doing it very intuitively personally. And like the actual important things, I actually have a vote for – Hit your highlights, like capture even the external stuff, like, but with the intention of celebrating, like actually mm -hmm. find the things that went really well and carve out space for the stuff. And it's like, damn, that went well. Even if it Hell is yes. that like vanity metric of the, oh, this number really went up. It's like, give yourself the space to acknowledge yourself for what you created over the course of the year. That's really, really big for me this year. I love that also because I think that often, and, and I would add even into that, that that celebration and recognizing those highlights doesn't necessarily mean you met your quote unquote targets or those numbers that you wanted. Those yes. highlights might be, I did this other thing or I pivoted in a way that I'm pleased with. And so to me, a huge thing is around having a space to recognize and have that self-compassion and grace and be pleased with what you did without any buts. No, like, oh, you know, I did such a great job with, it, but I could have done more. No, dude, let's just fucking own that you landed where you wanted, that you landed where you landed. And it's good. And that is good because we do not celebrate enough. I think yeah. truthfully, it's, I love to keep it super, super light. Years ago, one of my friends introduced me to the, we were, we were in their upstate house. It was late at night. We're all sitting on the floor. I think she didn't have like tables yet. And we just went around and we said, what's your rosebud thorn of the year? That was it. This was my reflection in, in entirety. Rose was like highlights basically. Like what are the good things that happened? Bud was what's something that you're excited to continue to nurture and grow in the next year. And thorn was what's something that was quite actually difficult this year. And like you wish you could get rid of it for next year in some, some way. And that was it. Rosebud Thorn. That was the entire, that was my entire annual review that year. And truthfully, that's fine. That works. It created a little bit of space to think about what went well this year and how am I feeling about next year? Yeah. Boom, be done. If, if I were to do a two question one, it would be what am I celebrating from this last year? Um, and where am I either stuck or still stuck that I wish I wasn't? Mm. I two questions. That would just be it. What was awesome? Where am I still stuck that I wish I wasn't stuck? I like that. 
that, that's kind of the lightest version. And there's a lot of other questions you can ask. But again, for me, I would say I would prefer this is how I'm living now. I prefer to internalize all the other questions on a daily, weekly basis and just use the annual review to zoom way, way up and out and kind of just reflect on celebrations and frustrations. I think otherwise the annual review turns into like just another thing to do. And it, and it, and it gets meaty and too big and you're not keeping track of things. And it's, it's performative. It becomes, yeah. it becomes, yes. yeah. yeah, the, the one other Do thing less. that I will add, we had this in our annual review, Ricky, is if, if you are, I'm really good at managing like closing things, but if mm -hmm. you're approaching the end of the year and you're feeling overwhelmed, we did this completion exercise. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Which I got actually from the conscious leadership group. Um, but that can be a really powerful one. If you're feeling like there's a ton on your plate going into the end of the year, which is, um, We'll link it. Go go to my YouTube channel where it is. There's a completion list I got from Conscious Leadership Group, but it's like basically auditing all of the open tabs in your life. Corey, yeah. you've you've done videos and stuff on this, like on the Zygernik effect, it, like, yeah. and it's basically going through this audit all of the open tabs in your life, and then consciously choose which are you gonna delete, which are you gonna delegate. Which are you going to do and which are you going to defer with the goal of, for me, getting as much into that delete list as possible. Mm -hmm. So you're going into the new year, what I would say is like tight in a good way. Like you're tight. You know what's important. You've closed down the stuff that isn't. That can be really powerful. I agree. And I'm also going to throw out there because this is like totally on the other side. Okay. On the other side of this, as we're thinking about closing the year. Another thing that I think happens to us is that because we were conditioned to have closes as we were growing up, right? I graduate from first grade. I go to second grade. I finished my midterm exams. I am done with this semester. I receive a report card. I never have to use it again. So the other thing is that I think we've been conditioned for so long to have this expectation of like opening center and closing that it's quite uncomfortable to realize that in real life, in the same way that December is really not that different than January, except for you probably have to deal with some tax stuff or some, you know, benefits elections, depending on if you're working for an organization, it's recognizing that you're not going to be done with your to-do list, right? Where when you clear out your to-do list, you're going to come up with more things to do. You're not going to suddenly have more time next week. Oh, your kid's starting daycare. Guess what? They're going to be sick next week. So it's, so some of it is also, as we're thinking about this annual review, the completion exercise that we did is really helpful in terms of clearing shit rather than just holding everything, but getting comfortable with the idea that life just keeps going. And so you, it doesn't matter when we do set goals or set intentions or have this thing, which is why I think all of us are talking a lot about this idea of like continually internalizing, pivoting, making these smaller strategic moves is more effective and more realistic than trying to be like and this semester i'm going to do this because it's like no no one's living in semesters anymore so as creators right and and businesses is very similar but you're rarely ever done right like <clears throat> closure no. comes in 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 small you know bits i think as as creators so i, I but i agree with what you're saying, Justin, I look at it more so as less about closure and more about alignment. How can I remove in, in whatever Eisenhower matrix I can 
or Pareto, you know, 80, 20, I can, how can I remove the things that are unaligned so that I can dedicate all of my time, energy, and attention to the few things that are fully aligned with what I'm actively trying to build and the direction I'm trying to take my life and business. Right. Cause like even me, like as a creator, I write a newsletter every week. There's no being done on that unless I quit writing it. Right. There's always another video I need to make or that I want to make. There's always another thing. Right. And even like with, with like my, my courses, I, I turned them from live to self-paced. So those are quote unquote done in that respect, but I'm never done selling them. Right. Like there, there's always more you can do. So for me, it's more so of like, what are all the, the, the open tabs that just aren't aligned or that are so low return on my resources that it just isn't worth investing in? What, what am I, what can I get comfortable with being like, I'm never going to get caught up on this. I'm never going to read that, that article. I'm never going to do whatever. And just, you know, if you want to save it somewhere, just so you can forget about it and be like, Oh, well, if I ever want to, I can go back to this bookmark and read it. That's fine. Like if that's what you need to do to take the mental burden off of you, cool. But really getting clear on what the fuck matters and what the fuck doesn't matter. Because the more time, energy, and attention you dedicate to things that don't fucking matter is time you, it, it, it was res that now those resources you can't dedicate to the, the few things that actually do matter. In my mind, that description immediately, I just was like, when you save a little bookmark tab, I was like, it makes me feel like a little knowledge hoarder. I'm like, oh, I'm going to read that later. <laughs> Can't throw it out. I might need it. <laughs> it's like I never go back and read it. But oh, just no. in I, I think what we're pointing at is like the, the turnover of the year. While we don't want to make it the only time we do these things, it, it, it is a useful marker for some zoomed out reflection and the opportunity to get intentional, tighten up around our intentions and clear some stuff off. I also, Ricky, this came up ways back when you were talking, but I want to give a shout out because Ricky, you know, you were the one who made this whole, like, it's not just an annual thing. Um, and you, I believe with Miriam did this really cool thing this year where you did like the hundred days project and you, you all were posting about it on LinkedIn. And um, I thought that was so cool. And I, I, I'm floating this out for all our listeners for next year, which is um, Ricky did this thing where it was like, Hey, there's a hundred days left in the year. Let's actually reflect now on what you want to get done before the year. Uh, and I did it and it, it really tightened up my focus. It, it's almost more useful than intention setting for the year. Cause it's like, Oh, it's only a hundred days. It's three months. It's real tight. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's almost one of the more useful benchmarks I've seen because it's, it's using the end of the year to race to the finish line rather mm -hmm. than reflect and then set big, open, long, ambiguous goals. It's a and real it's a and tight like, container. It also is really helpful because 100 days is a, is a tight marker that you could really hone in on getting a lot done or being very realistic about, well, what can get done in those 100 days? So a little spoiler alert is that we are building a self-paced version of it that will come out early next year that people can try out if you want to get focused on those hundred days. But we ran a really awesome live session this, this year. We had a really cool group of folks doing that work. Cool. Thanks for calling it out, Justin. I thought it was awesome. Um, let's Flesh. look at resolutions and new year's intentions. Let's do setting. it. And let's do both. Cause I imagine like the intention setting we're talking about is one thing. I do want to briefly take a detour into 
what are our thoughts on resolutions before we go into intention setting everybody is like getting their like fighting gloves on Corey I know, immediately I, I like did his like look into the be... microphone yeah, yeah. Corey's got yeah. the look I can see it Corey tell us as a change of pace I would like to say that New Year's resolutions are bullshit what Corey I here, never here's why, <clears throat> here's why. <laughs> like an actual resolution right is when you resolve to, to a specific course of action, right? Like that makes sense. Modern day, we have lost the fucking definition of what a resolution is. We have so much, we have been basically deconditioned to, <laughs> to associate a resolution with any actual fucking change. Because now what a new year's resolution has become is I'm going to half-ass some shit for three weeks and then give up. Going to the gym is fucking awful the first three weeks, but by f- mid-February, especially March, shit's fucking empty again, and then it's just the OGs, right? Like, every fucking gym, that's how it is, okay? <laughs> is whatever. That is what a resolution is at this point, is let me give half-assed effort, and let me try to do way more than is fucking feasible. Let me take these hard turns to be a completely different person because new year new me bitches like no that's you're the same fucking person with the same shitty habits the same insecurities the same function we talk about functional analysis same fucking reason you're doing the bad shit you haven't dealt with that yet that's why you have all these shitty ass habits okay you're the same fucking person but if instead of looking so i just to, to circumvent all of that psychological baggage that most people have with a New Year's resolution. I'll use myself as an example. There are a couple of things you can do. Ten years ago, I, in December, decided to go back to do jiu-jitsu. I had done it for, a couple, for maybe three to six months when I first started college. And then I just let bullshit get in the way because jiu-jitsu is fucking hard. And I was always sore and getting my ass kicked. So I just made excuses and like three to five years went by and I just, I never went back. And then I was like, well, you know, by the time I go back, like all the guys I started with, are going to be super good. And then they're going to judge me and also the shit. I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll wait for the new year and then I'll start back. Then I was like, no, if I make this some bullshit new year's resolution, I'm going to give up in three weeks. So instead I said, I'm just going to start in December because then it is a new year's resolution by definition. 10 years later, I'm still doing it. Okay. Now I'm not saying that was like the pivotal thing, but so it's the hack it was a do your resolutions shift. in November and kick off in December. <laughs> it was a hack because we all know hacks work. Yeah. But it, it was more so like my brain no longer had the mental baggage around a new year's resolution. It didn't categorize it as a new year's resolution. So That's then my point. expectations, my script, my schema around it was nowhere near the same. Okay. That is, is one very simple thing, but I look at it uh, New Year's resolutions. I look at it much more as I've just done this annual reflection. I've looked at where I wanted to be, where I, how far I actually came, what got in my way and where I want to take my life in the future. And then now I can set these new year's intentions 
around how am I going to take all of this information I just gathered about myself, all these insights and actually apply them for the future. Right. And I look at it much more as not even goals so much as priorities. What are my priorities for this year? Because goals and shit, like everybody knows how to make goals. That's, that's fine. Right. Make them, you know, fucking simple, make them, you know, chunk them all that other shit. We can talk about goals whenever, but if I say these are my priorities, well, then my mind is like, okay, these are the things we are primarily focused on achieving or doing, pursuing, whatever. Everything else tends to fall in line behind that of this is my main focus. These are my priorities. Everything else, I can just let my mind and my actions align toward these priorities. But if I get bogged down and like, these are my resolutions, these are all my goals, I'm going to, and Oh, I have so many soapboxes. I try to keep them reined in. When it comes to goals or even priorities, focusing on being process oriented rather than outcome oriented is a huge unlock. Because what do most people do? They make a resolution to lose 10 pounds or to lose 30 pounds. You losing weight is fully out of your control. That is like, I'm not even debating that. Because you can have hormonal issues, you can have a lot of other health issues to where you can diet and exercise all day long, and it is possible to not lose weight, right? Your weight can also redistribute. You can have gain muscle mass and shit. So if your goal is to lose weight, you have fucked yourself before you've even started because you are so outcome focused that is outside of your control, you're going to give up very quickly. But if instead I say, my priority is getting healthier for example. So then the process oriented approach I'm going to take is being more aware of trying to eat healthier, trying to exercise, to go on more walks, to do little things like that. All of that is fully within your control. You are setting yourself up for success much better with that approach than my resolution is to lose 10 pounds. Doesn't work for anybody. I will step off my soapbox for now. Okay. I'm in agreement. Here's what I'll say. I think of these as two separate things. There was someone I knew years ago that she always liked to do resolutions and she always made sure that one of her resolutions was absolutely insane. It was something that she was like, there's no way I can meet it. She basically created like a moonshot goal. Super fun way to approach this. Resolutions are often just setting yourself up for failure right? There's, there's great data on this. There's, they don't have great consensus, basically either January 13th or January 19th, basically between those few days. That's when most people give up on their resolutions. They don't even fucking make it two weeks, right? And it's because you're setting these big resolutions that Corey's highlighting that don't actually have some space between them. So for me, I think a lot of it is similar to what Corey is sharing is that it's, it's more around being intentional, being thoughtful about how you want things to shift in the following year and what systems and support you need to build for yourself, recognizing that it's going to be difficult. So if I want to be healthy, healthy is a hard word, right? We can use this one, but if I want to be healthy, 
it can shift into, okay, so if my identity is someone who is healthy, what does that look like? How do I create time for ensuring that I'm accessing food that I want to be eating, ensuring that I'm creating time to go for a walk, ensure that I am communicating with the people around me in order to have the support and systems in place. Because it's not about, there's a James Clear quote. It's like, it's not about rising to the level of your goals. It's about falling to the level of your, the, the benefit of your systems. I'm butchering that, but that's a good point, right? Like if, if I have created a system that says I want to work out five times a week, but, or I just want to work out more. But if I've also gone through the effort of saying, no, I would like to work out five times a week. I want to work it around this time. I'm going to block my calendar. I'm going to work with a trainer on these days. On these days, I'm going to work by myself. I'm going to know what this is going to look like. It becomes easier because trust me, you're going to skip. We're going to skip days, right? We're going to make mistakes. That's, that's the whole part of trying on new things and trying to grow. You're going to screw up. You're going to hit headwinds. And so because of that, it's about creating space, intention, knowing why you're doing it. Corey has, like, you've done a great story around this in terms of getting really clear on your why. And you're talking about it. I think the example you were giving was like a grandparent who wants to be able to like play with their grandkids or like be able to like walk someone down the aisle, right? It's like being more clear about why am I making this shift? What learnings have I created in this past year? Who do I want to show up as this year? It becomes an identity experience, which James Clear talks a lot about, like identity versus like resolution. But shifting in that space, like you're never going to find me with a list of fucking resolutions for 2024, right? I might sign up for the gym in January 2024 because it's fucking cheap. I'm not going to go in the month of January. I'm still going to work out at home because January is crazy at the gym, but it's cheaper and they waive a lot of fees, right? Like, sure, do that. But the whole idea is, it doesn't have to happen January 1st. Like it can happen anytime. November was a great time for jujitsu. And so to me, it's it, this is really around recognizing who do I want to be? Who do I want to look like in this next period of time? And what do I need to support myself in getting there? And how can I get real about how hard it's going to be to do that, right? Like starting a workout retreat from nothing, you're going to get injured. You're going to be sore. It's going to be difficult if you don't take your time and have grace and be thoughtful about it. So no, I haven't done resolutions in, I don't even know how long, because I think I, I really would have to think about it. If like, when's the last time I did resolutions? Because it just, it, it I know I'm not going to follow them. And also it's so unfair. I'm going to feel differently in January than September. And it's, it's, it, again, I think it comes down to sort of what we were talking about previously. When we talk about annual review, it's more around being constantly engaging with yourself in terms of how am I showing up? Because resolutions to me, highlights when people are like diet starts tomorrow, a lot of times that's not going to be productive. If you're focusing on oh, I can always start this tomorrow. You're leaning into an all or nothing mindset. You're playing with perfectionism. If instead I say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good I do. It just matters that I try a little bit. Then that can happen any day and it doesn't have to be January 1st. Then like another way to look at it is if you, if, if you want to make more data-driven decisions, right? If you want to look at your track record, because one of my old supervisors, he said, past behavior predicts future behavior, okay? Which is... A huge thing for psychology, which is why people are like, oh, can you like read minds? Like, how did you know I thought that? Or how did you know I did, or I was going to do that? It's like, we're just, we're good at pattern recognition. Okay. Because if you've historically done a certain thing, 
more than likely you will keep doing that thing in some capacity, right? It isn't a hard hundred percent rule, but it is a way to predict things. Okay. Cause it's a pattern. So in the vein of that, if you have made the same fucking resolution, this, the last three to five years, shit ain't working. So if you keep doing that more than likely is going to keep not working. So maybe consider a different way to approach behavioral change. I'm not Justin, as do much. Do you love resolutions? Are they your favorite? I, I think they get um, undue bad rap. Honestly, I do, and I, I think um, the reason being, like, I think the intention behind resolutions tends to be very directionally correct, and the the actual adjustments to getting them to be more useful are kind of simple in my eyes. And and again, they don't feel or look like resolutions, but I think sometimes in this space, there's a tendency to go, resolutions are bad and dumb. And then people are kind of left with like, well, what should I be doing? Versus going, no, you can start with your resolutions and then like make a couple tweaks. And like, I think we're pointing to a lot of those here. Like a, a few of the tweaks that I see are like, okay, one, I, th I think the big mistake in general, the word, language I would use is, um, people use it to try and, like we said, make these massive, big, ambitious changes, expecting reasonably that come January, there's going to be a huge burst of willpower, You're which, be frequently, new. <laughs> which frequently does happen. But then willpower really peters out very, very quickly. And so one thing with resolutions is like, okay, Set your big, ambitious, whatever resolutions. And then I want you to fast forward to the second week of February and go, realistically, what will I be willing to do then? Congratulations, you now have your actual resolution. So if you're like, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week or I'm, I'm, I'm going to have one-on-ones with my employees every, every week, I'm going to have an hour-long one-on-one. I just want you to think of when I'm actually in the thick of my year in the second week of February, what am I going to be willing to do? I'm going to probably going to be willing to go to the gym twice. I'm probably going to be willing to do a one-on-one -on -one with my employees every other week. Cool. Actually start there. So that's one thing is when, when willpower runs out, what will you be willing to do and start there? And two, something Corey, you pointed to that I think we're all pointing to here that I think is what a lot of masters do is frequently we realize our resolution somewhere like mid December, if you're proactive about it. And the encouragement is um, frequently in that time, work is less stressful. Think, like some pressure starts to kind of come off. Start playing around with it then when you're in a little bit of an easier mode. Because then you're going to be able to work out the kinks. Okay, well, if I want to start eating healthier, um, I have to... I have to really plan. This is when I have to go to the grocery store or whatever. If I, if I want to start having one-on-ones with my employees, these are the days where it works for me or it doesn't, but like use the end of December to start beta testing. And like you said, Ricky, setting up structures that support the intentions. I, I think really the thing is like with, with resolutions is get realistic and then get really clear. Like you said, Ricky on, what support structures do I need to proactively put in now with the time and space that will support my follow through come the new year and especially support my follow through come January 13th through 19th, right? What do I really need to set myself up so I can cruise through the bumps? 
Now, uh, oh. I don't necessarily do resolutions to, to be clear over here. Like I'm trying to think if uh, you could say anything that what I do is like resolution ask. Normally it's, I do much more these days of like a zoom out. What are the real qualitative things I want to be bringing into my life for the next year? More tangibly, what are things that I want to start to have happen to the new year and just hold those intentions going in? Like it's very rare for me now that like I'm identifying like, oh, there's a huge shift I want to make happen. Um, But it is the same thing of, oh, here's some things I've identified that I want to be different this year. Here are some initial steps I can start to take. And then January is just starting to like chew off of that list. I think I really these days... I don't have um, strict like buy wins around my intentions when I set goals for the new years. Like I wouldn't say lose 30 pounds by X, Y, Z date. There's an unnecessary pressure for me there. I might know that I want to lose 30 pounds. I might know I want to hit this revenue benchmark, but like you said, Corey, it's like knowing the outcome I want, but then focusing all of my time and energy from there on building the process and then tending to the process and shifting the process that drives to the outcome. Um. Justin, I love that. And one of the things that you said, I'm like, we just need to repeat it because it like blew my heart up into a million pieces, which was taking that step back and thinking about not how am I going to activate this resolution or intention in January, but like, what is it going to look like in February or March or April? And that to me is, I, I haven't thought about it that way. And that breaks my brain in a beautiful way because oftentimes, right, you come out of the gate running. Everyone's at the gym those first couple of weeks in January. Of course you can go to the gym, but if you actually stop and say, well, how do I want this to be part of my life? And how do I think this is going to look in the future helps you set up a much more reasonable, much more thoughtful approach. Even if you do have some of these revenue based target outcomes that you want to hit, you're still starting to think about the underlying systems and support metrics that you need in place to meet it. I think resolutions can be fun if you want to be like, next year I'm going to do this crazy thing. But it's, it's, there's a difference to me between like that and saying, you know, next year I really want to focus on creating more time to see my family. That's a very, that's really thinking intentionally about what's important to you and how you want to show up in the next year. If your resolution is also to like do a TED talk or something like, you know, lead a conference, whatever, I love that. Hold on to it. It's a nice little, go back to the manifestation episode, hang out with it. You might like to use it there, but, but I think it's a, it's also around really differentiating between when is this something that you're just like throwing out there with no, nothing to back it up versus when are you thinking about how am I going to ultimately reach that? And and this is, I'll go to Corey's example. This is like the experienced Mm. behavioral change person versus the inexperienced. It's the experienced Mm. marathon runner versus the inexperienced Mm -hmm. marathon runner. The experienced behavioral change person knows this is going to be a marathon. I'm going to come out of the gate feeling real fresh, but that doesn't mean I should run as fast as I can coming out the gate. (laughs) And the versus the inexperienced person comes out of the gate as fast as they can and then falls apart generally speaking, between January 13th and 19th. And so here, it's a marathon. What Set the pace at the beginning that's the pace that you're going to be able to hold when it's hardest to hold the pace. Well, and that's, you know, it, it's got different names, right? Like resistance, the messy middle, the dip, like this, this point where 
all of the shininess has has gone away, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have. And there's the, just the, the work. <laughs> you, you just don't have to have keep the mo- going. No one cares. <laughs> you don't have the motivation. Nobody gives a fuck. Everybody's forgotten about your, you know your, your big thing. Now we're just You're leaning not getting on any attention. And and well, so so here's my thing, right? To to elaborate on what you said, Justin. I think about when I'm at that point, what do I want to be doing? Right? Like what is the thing? So I, I've talked before about like hedonia versus eudaimonia. So hedonia is like hedonic treadmill, hedonic adaptation. Hedonia means pleasurable or pleasure seeking. Okay. One of the telltale like symptoms of like depression is what's called anhedonia, which means you no longer gain pleasure from formerly pleasurable activities. Okay. Hedonia just means I do the thing because it feels good. Okay. So the issue is if you are a very hedonic person, you only do things that feel good in the moment. The issue is work that is worthwhile endeavors that are worthwhile don't always feel good in the moment, uh, related to like fulfillment. Okay. Or self-actualization sort of. So with eudaimonia, it doesn't necessarily feel good in the moment, but you still believe it is worth doing over the long run. One of the classic examples I tend to give is Justin Wren. He's an MMA fighter and things, and he has, he's very passionate about digging wells for the pygmy population of the Congo. So as Justin has done this, he started nonprofits. He's done a bunch of other things. He's gotten malaria like three times going down there. Cause even it, apparently, even if you get like the, the vaccine, you can still get malaria. So if you were to ask Justin on a day, he has malaria. Hey, Justin, do you feel good today? He'd be like, fuck no, I have malaria. It's super painful. But if you said, Hey, Justin, despite how you feel today is the work you're doing worthwhile in the long run, then he would say yes every time. Okay. So I think about when all of the shininess goes away, all of the pleasurable parts of the work go away. What am I still going to be willing to do in the long run? Because I'm going to feel it is worthwhile. So getting healthier is worthwhile. Getting abs isn't fucking worthwhile. It's a vanity metric. Abs are not functional. Abs don't do a fuck all. And don't get me wrong. I don't have abs. I've never had abs. So maybe I'm just a jealous piece of shit. Who knows? Okay. But so so many of these, as someone who at one point had abs, sometimes it feels kind of worthwhile. See, there you go. I had them for like one summer in college. (laughs) Let me be clear. I wasn't like rocking a six pack for years, but there was one particular summer. He cleaned up. They felt worthwhile then. (laughs) Versus like overall like health and fitness or or getting stronger or, you know, because you can have, you know, supreme core strength and and trunk stability without abs, right? Like I know plenty of pot belly motherfuckers who are strong as fuck. But regardless, maybe getting healthier is worthwhile because you want to live longer for your kids, your grandkids, your partner. You want a better quality of life. So then – Even when you're like, I'm too fucking tired to go walk today, or I'm too fucking emotional to to cook a healthy meal. I'd rather just eat a couple sleeves of Oreos. Well, that's when you're in that, you know, nobody gives a shit anymore. It's just the fucking work, right? There's, there's no replacement for the work. There's no substitute for just doing the fucking work, right? But in that moment is taking the action, you know, you need to take worthwhile in the long run of being healthier so that you can have more quality time with your family, you know, X, Y, Z. 
that is worthwhile. But if in the moment you're like, I just want abs. Okay. But if you've had a rough day, if you do whatever, and like, you're not connecting abs to a, a larger thing, it's going to be super fucking hard to do that. Right. Abs for many people aren't worthwhile relative to being healthier, being able to move without as much joint pain, something like that is much more worthwhile in the long run. That is closer to, again, what I'm saying like with eudaimonia versus hedonia. And also maybe you do just want a couple of Oreos that day and that's fucking okay because you know that tomorrow I'm going to be okay. Like I have created this space that me going and having a couple of Oreos or not taking that walk today because that's what I need, right? I'm tapped out. I need that kind of nourishment. It's, it works for me. Then guess what? Tomorrow, because you have that deep seated understanding that it's not just about abs, it's actually about changing your lifestyle to being more healthy and having that core strength. Like you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's not going to be suddenly you fall off a wagon. If you know yourself, I, if you know, yourself, I, I agree. Well, I've never had me, a couple Oreos. I, yeah, I want to move us. not meant to be eaten in pairs, multiple I, I, pairs. I want to move us to the next thing. But one thing I actually do want to say, which is, it's going to seem silly, but if abs is worthwhile enough to you, that's also okay. No yes. judgment, man. Like yeah. just the point is like, just be real about what's important to you and let yourself connect to that. Like, I've been doing strength training for a couple of years. I do it for two reasons, vanity and I like to feel strong. Like there's right now I'm not at a point where it's like, I'm, I, you know, in the background I could tell you, it's like, yeah, lifespan, health span when I'm a grandpa, but I'm not actually thinking about that when I'm at the gym. I'm like, this feels good. Yeah. Ricky said this before the last show. She's like, I'm vain. You know, like just really oh, yeah. connect to like, what's important to you. There's you, it, not everything has to be this like, I'm doing it for the children. Like it might be, I'm kind but of if, vain. And, it, but, and if that's a good super powerful motivator, that's it's it. going to help you move through it. That's it. Cool. Um, I wanted to get personal a little bit. And if everybody's mm -hmm. open to it, anything you want to share about you personally, like what are, how are each of you thinking about 2024 from a professional or a personal standpoint? As a friend, I'm curious. I kind of know Corey already because I read his article, but I, I'd like to hear it again. And I'm curious for you, Ricky. Corey, you want to share? Because you've... Sure. I appreciate you reading it. It's always like weird and like nice to hear like when my friends read my shit because I never, right? I just never expect it, right? Isn't one of my it friends, so nice? One of my friends, shout out to Travis. He was, he came to visit. He was like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. It's good. And I'm like, and Travis is like one of my like best friends, like for like over a decade. I was like, holy shit, like you've been listening to the podcast. So shout out to Travis. Um, my heart. I love it. <laughs> I do, my heart really like blooms because I feel like it's the best friends that don't fucking listen. You're like, dude. <laughs> like, like, that and listening. like, if you all think I call bullshit on things, Travis is way, way more. So for him to be like, <laughs> I, I take time out of my day to listen to your fucking podcast. It's, it's a huge signal. But anyway. <clears throat> So yeah, like Justin said, I, I've already published this. Um, by the time you all are watching slash listening to this, um, the article will already be out, but I may also have some YouTube videos so you can just look around. Um, I think the article is called How to Set Yourself Up for Success in the Next Chapter of Life, but there's also going to be YouTube videos on my channel. But the way I think about it is 
because like as a psychologist, as a coach, philosophically, I deeply believe that asking the right questions is a huge unlock in life. I am more concerned with asking the right questions than coming up with the right answers a lot of times. Because I feel like if you get really good at asking questions, you naturally develop a lot of insight and a lot of clarity. Okay. So I also have a handful of questions I ask when it comes to setting these intentions and these priorities for the coming year. And again, this, you can shorten the, the time horizon for these, right? For daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever. But some of the ones I ask, I'll just run through them real quick and then I'll um, kind of talk about my, my main ones. One is what are my priorities for this next chapter? And I like looking at things as chapters because one, a chapter has no set length, right? Like a chapter could be the next month or it could be the next year, right? But I think chapters, one, help us kind of silo it of just because I have been a certain way doesn't mean I have to continue being that way because this is a new chapter. I get to choose how my chapter begins and how it ends to an extent. I think that is just a helpful, uh, just framing for people. And then another question is what are the critical components I need to focus on to achieve these priorities? Okay. So this is getting into like that 80, 20 of like, of all the things I, I could focus on, what are the critical things that if I don't focus on them would lead to failure? Okay. So now I know what I need to focus on. Then I ask what could get in my way or has gotten in my way in the past. And then I say, what do I need to do to overcome these obstacles? And then it's just, you know, what is my plan moving forward? All right. So now I have identified main priorities, main actions for those priorities, main obstacles, main strategies for overcoming those obstacles. So I have a fully fleshed out typically plan of action to move forward to actually achieve these priorities. Okay. Um, just as you know, my, my main, my main priority, right. Cause up until the last century or whatever, supposedly there wasn't a, a plural of priority, right? Like priorities wasn't a word is, is the internet, um, claim right now that priority was only ever a singular term but we have turned it into priorities, which is why we're so fucking scattered. My priority for the year is writing a book. And then sub priorities that support that are growing my newsletter, growing my YouTube channel, things like that. Because I, I will attempt the traditional route first, just because I have a lot of reasons for wanting to go traditional route. But even if I either, if I don't get a traditional deal or if I don't like the traditional deals I get, cause they may be too, too controlling or whatever, self-publishing is always an option. And I know plenty of people who have had stellar success self-publishing. Um, but having a, one of the main things they ask you <clears throat> when you do a book proposal is basically what is the, your platform size, right? Like how many YouTube subscribers do you have? How many newsletter subscribers do you have? How many followers do you have across accounts? So as I grow my newsletter and my YouTube, one, I get to beta test ideas in, in, you know, on a per piece of content basis that I can then elaborate on as in, into a chapter, right? I'm building an audience around certain ideas that then when I launch it, it's like all y'all motherfuckers are already here for this kind of shit. Here's a book on it, right? 
that helps with pre-orders, that helps with a lot of other things. And even if I don't go the traditional route, I still need to do those things to have, to have a fucking audience to sell to, right? Because books are this really weird catch 22 where if you have a book, it is easier to get on podcasts, to work with people, to get speaking engagements, to do all these other things, because you're just like, I wrote a book on this. So I'm sort of, you know, hypothetically a thought leader in this space. But if you, but if you don't have a book, it's harder to get on those things. But if you've gotten all those things, it's easier to get a book deal, <laughs> right? So I guess this weird thing of like, if I'd been on more, it would be easier to get a book deal. But because I didn't have a book to get on those things, I'd, I wasn't on those things to get a book deal, right? But once you get one, everything else, you know, spins up. I have. Corey, I want to. I want to make sure we get to Rick too, because she's going to have a, a hard stop coming up. Okay, um, so that is that is my main. Uh, priority is going to be the book moving forward so that everything is aligned with like what can get in the way with that how am i going to overcome it all of that yes but i will wrap it up yeah yeah i want to hear more but ricky's got a hard stop here so i, I want wanna... to hear and more too i'm getting upset that i can't move my next thing guys yeah if we get to well maybe after you drop off Corey and i will keep talking of our own and then you'll actually have to listen to the episode to know and then i'll, and then I'll actually yeah. have to listen to our own stuff no i'm just kidding yeah but ricky no, i'm like bounce. in it yeah, I tell got really in it, Corey. I was like, oh shit, I need to go. Um, so speaking of not taking like January seriously as the time to do these things, I'm expecting my second kid in two weeks. That's right. And so when I think about 2024, I have it, it's very different. It's fragmented. So I actually, I have some light things around my business, but a lot more of it is around okay, what's my new family unit going to look like? I already picked out my postpartum workout routine that I know is going to be good. And it, and so it's a very different experience because I'm like, I'm not going to actually do 2024 planning probably until around March or April of 2024. And that just means that it's going to look a little bit lighter. And I'm also giving a lot of space and grace because I know anyone else who's had a kid, you don't know what you're walking into. Like all kids are different, right? I have an older one. They're all different. It could look really different. I could get super stoked and get really motivated and want to get a lot done during this time or I don't. And so because of that, I've been really thoughtful about as I set up 2024 for myself is that I've created a lot of expansive space and very low expectations of myself. And I've done that intentionally so that if I am incredibly motivated and excited and want to create space, I don't got to clear any cobwebs. I'm good to go. No one needs me. And I'm not trying to like double up. And I'm also creating a lot of space around if I'm not ready yet, I have time to think about and plan. That's my 2024. I know someone else right now who I think it's so counter, but something I want to highlight who their intentions that they're holding for 24 are just spaciousness. Like That's your so resolutions nice. can be like in the absence of ambition. It can be spaciousness. It can be ease. It can be just integrating all the, the process. Like it doesn't always have to be so pushy i think that's so profound and honestly like there's part of me that's like it's almost an act of courage in our culture to just be like my goal is to just leave space it feels really counterintuitive because i feel like you know it's not what january is about and so to me i'm like i know that i don't know what this is going to look like and so i'm being really soft 
And yeah. you know what? That doesn't mean that I'm not going to get it done. It doesn't mean that I'm not fucking motivated. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy myself. But it also means that I'm going to have a little bit of space and I'm going to have a lot of dim sum. But that's your priority. Like Hell your priority yeah. is having a kid. My priority is, is being with my family. And it's new unit growth. And I like that. And then it'll shift as needed. My thought process around 24 has been just a lot of like focus and depth. Like I'm, I'm closing 23, Corey, like as you said, I really know what I have. I'm so clear on what is important to me and what I really enjoy. And it's the intentionality I'm holding is just staying committed to that and, and not wandering from it. It's like right now I've just realized in coaching, I love one-on-one coaching. I'm really loving it. And I, for the last couple of years, I've looked at like, oh, running retreats and group coaching and trying to work with facilitation or, and I'm just like, what if it was just finding one-on-one coaching clients that I loved working with and leaning into that and leaning into finding more mentors who I really love how they coach and just like becoming more and more masterful in that domain. And then just doing things that feel energizing to me around to support that, like this podcast, staying committed here. There's another podcast on conscious leadership that I'm talking to a friend about spinning up, um, being a podcast guest. Like it, it, it's that it's just, and that's pretty consistent across the board. It's like that here, that with my health goals around continuing to like get stronger, um, that and my relationship, like we, 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 it feels so good. And then there's a couple stuck points where we reliably get stuck on. And so like for her and I am really oriented on around like getting support on those stuck points that we just, it's a relationship. There, there are some areas where your two patterns, our two patterns, just they grind up and neither of us are great at regulating our way out of it. And so it's like just finding someone to support us and unwinding those things. There's, it's really like, there's a, a depth and commitment that I'm craving that is really like the space that I'm holding and holding like for abundance and spaciousness and, and all of the goodness in that there's like a sacred devotion to it that I think is the experience I'm looking for. I also love that in that you really are sharing around the, the comp, the work you did around reflections and learnings and self in terms of what does light you up and what does get you excited And how will you bring that forward into the new year with intention versus what you think we should be doing? What is applied to how you grow and change? And so there's some really beautiful, clearly reflective work that you're then like, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's really what I'm, what is feeling delicious to me right now? And just how Mm. can I go more and deeper into that? Rick, you got to hop? Yeah. Yeah. Corey, is there more? I want to hear more if there's more for you. We can have a little post-Rick time. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, we'll do a little post-Rick chat. I heard three o'clock and I'm central time. So my brain was like, oh, we got plenty of time. I know, dude. That's all. It's all good. I was just was like, (laughs) I got to go, friends. I want to hang out forever as I always do. But I'm going to say toodles myself to the two of you. Okay. Okay, bye. Happy New Year. Bye. So right, Corey, what else, what else you got? Yeah. So, so again, everything is sort of aligned around the book. Right. And so like I, the theme, uh, so the theme for me for the year, right. So last year, like 2023, cause I tweeted about it, like my theme was expansion. 
So I took a lot of chances. I tried a lot of things. And then for 2024, the theme is um, contraction, right? Like how can I do less but better? So it's sort of this question of, well, my main priority is the book. So every decision I make has to in some way support the book, right? That because one of the obstacles is, you know, shiny object syndrome, right? Like as creators and entrepreneurs, we, we have ideas all day, every day. And the issue is it's fairly easy to, to filter out the bad ideas or the mediocre ideas. The issue is when you have a good idea, that isn't a great idea, right? We have many good ideas that could be viable, but learning to say, okay, but this is a good idea, but it isn't a great idea. It isn't fully aligned with my priority. I need to get comfortable passing on those or shelving them or something, right? Like that's like, it isn't, isn't that you're swimming in bad ideas or mediocre ones. You're swimming in good ideas, but they're not great. They're not worth dedicating that time, energy, and attention to because that is time, energy, and attention. You're not dedicating to what you stated was your priority, right? So that has been really clarifying for me of like all the shit I want to do is like, okay, well, does it support the book? How does it support the book? If it doesn't, it's a distraction full on. It doesn't matter how good of an idea it is. Um, so like, for example, I recently signed up for uh, like a live course slash community. Um, and it's like, well, typically that could be a distraction, but this one is specifically around nonfiction authors or aspiring nonfiction authors. So I'm getting training from published authors. I'm in a community with other aspiring or already authors to get feedback, to iterate the idea, to develop the marketing plan, things like that. So that directly serves the book. Um, I don't know if it'll be any good yet. So I'm not, I'm not going to say what it is on air yet. I'll, I'll, you know, come back after I, I've gone through it because I'm not trying to give somebody free publicity, but I'm excited. We'll see. Um, but yeah, everything else is, is in alignment with that. So the book itself is going to be around understanding and overcoming um, the most common limiting beliefs that hold us back, right? Basically like an elaboration on the four horsemen of fear, but in, in sort of like an evergreen book. Um, and the way somebody described it to me, because when I was kind of going through it, they're like, oh, that sounds like the kind of book I would read every year. Because every year when I read it, I'm going to come out with new perspectives with, with new clarity. So that is the framing I'm taking of like, how do I make the most timeless evergreen book I can around a deeply human experience? So now my plan, my, my process orient, oriented approach to this is everything I write, every piece of content I create is going to in some way loop back around to limiting beliefs. Right. So, cause then I'm, I'm building thought leadership around that concept. I'm generating interest around it and audience around it to then leverage into either a book deal or self-publishing, whatever. So everything I'm doing revolves solely around that. Yeah. So it really yeah. is for you. You've played, that is the priority and it's just everything else is operating in support of that. Correct. And writing, so writing an article is very painful for me. Like I've, I've, I frequently tell people writing to me feels like belly crawling through broken glass. It is excruciating. It isn't fun for me, but 
I don't expect it to be fun. Again, that hedonia versus eudaimonia for me, it's writing sucks. It fucking hurts, but it is worthwhile. Well, if writing a standalone article is that painful, I know a book is going to be 10 to a hundred times as painful, right? So I'm already anticipating like, look, drafting's fun. Telling people you're writing a book, all that's fun. That's just, you know, false glory and shit. How am I going to feel, you know, in, in April, in June and whatever, when I'm balls deep in this fucking book and just nothing's, nothing's hitting. Like it just, it's, way more excruciating. Is this still the, th the thing I want to build my life around for the foreseeable future? And the answer is yes. That is wow. why I like, okay, the, the book, like the book is worthwhile in the long run because this is a book that I deeply believe has to exist. Like mm. that's just it for me. So that mm -hmm. is why it is a priority. That is why it's like, okay, well, it's critical for me to to identify any obstacles and immediately remove them or overcome them or, or something because this book has to exist. Yeah. So, Dude, it, it's I, so interesting to me. I, I frequently describe writing as this way. And recently, I've there are like some times where it's like post-dinner at night. Usually it's after I've talked about something really important to me to like a friend or on a podcast where writing is like this magical fairy tale experience where just like something comes vomiting out of me until I'm – and sometimes it's all the way and sometimes it's like 80% of it. But I've really been like re and, – and listen, I'm not trying to be a content creator or write a book or anything, but – I think both in the experience of writing, but that's really where I'm looking for everywhere where it's like, that's the experience that I'm looking for. It's just like, there's a depth, there's an aliveness of like, Oh, this thing really wants and needs to be written. And therefore it's effortful, but it's also effortless. It's only effortful when I start to evaluate when I'm writing rather than just writing. Mm -hmm. Same thing with coaching, same thing with this podcast. Like it becomes effortful and hard when I'm evaluating what I'm doing rather than just doing and being in it. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to is like, what do you want your day-to-day -to, -day to look like? Like, what is like, like for me, like, what is the process itself that I want to make my reality? Yeah. That helps me a lot. Cause then I'm like, well, I'm not chasing accolades. I'm not chasing certain things. Like I'm building toward an existence and not an accomplishment necessarily. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, oh, you know, I, I want the book to exist. Like, okay. But that isn't an achievement so much as once the book exists, then my reality becomes when I have written this book. And now I have a thing that I can give to people, recommend to people like that can be out in the world, mm -hmm. like doing good. That is the new existence. Right. Yeah. And then I can write the next book and the next one like that, like what existence am I optimizing for basically? That to me is a much more powerful, helpful way to approach things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that in mind too. It's like the existence I'm optimizing for is a certain like depth and devotion, which is really what I'm wanting to create this year. Mm -hmm. There's also a part of it for me that there's like um, a soulfulness to it. This is where I, I start to get a little woo-woo, but there's like a soulfulness. There's a, there's a spirituality. There's a much deeper connection there. And I'm, I have been really careful with myself of not trying to identify with that, of like trying to become like a spiritual teacher or it needing to be a way. 
but there is like a real depth of experience and liveliness there that is like, I think the real end goal that I'm looking for in it all. Seinfeld has this really good quote. I can't find it right now and I'm awful at quoting people, but he basically said, your, your joy in life is when you find the struggle worth doing. Like when you find, oh, when, when you find the torture worth doing or whatever, like I believe that anything worthwhile can be torturous because there is a certain point you get in it where again, all the glory is gone. All the attention is gone. It's just you doing the fucking work. You're not getting immediate gratification anymore. You're just doing the thing. That is when most people give up because they're like, it doesn't feel good anymore. But if you recognize that anybody who has ever built anything that is worth talking about or worth it, or they enjoyed, there was some modicum of, of torture, of suffering, of struggle within the creation of it. I just, I don't think you can make great things without that. And I'm not saying like some fucking tortured artist, like, oh, I have depression. I cut off my ear, some stupid shit. I don't mean that. I mean, like, is this something that you can pour yourself into? I think because you have to be requires... willing to. Yes. Like you have to be willing to, you may not even endure it or it may not even happen, but I do think there has to be a willingness to carry the weight. And, and I know that that is really difficult for people to wrap their head around. Sometimes they're like, well, I, Corey, I can't even tell you what the fuck that is for me. That's okay. You don't have to know that right now. And like, again, my news resolution might be loftier. Yours doesn't have to be but it can be right. Again, this is all about what works for you specifically. However, I would recommend if you are hearing this, me talking about a book or, you know, us talking about, you know, building companies or creating whatever. And you're like, I don't even know what the fuck that would look like for me. I really encourage you to take dedicated time to consider what that could be to experiment with things, to learn, to, to even see if that is a path you want to keep going down. Right. For so many people, it is really easy to get caught up in. I'm just going to take the safe route. I'm just going to, to do this over here that doesn't really, you know, energize me, but you know, I got to pay the bills. That's fine. But if you never expose yourself to different ways of thinking, if you never experiment with different ways of being with different ways of existing through different types of work, you will never probably develop the clarity of all, oh, this is what I want to dedicate my life to, or this is what I want to dedicate the next, the next chapter of my life to, right? You don't have to think for the rest of your life. You can just think in the next year, five years, whatever, like that, that's fine. Right? Fine, it works for you. But I think so, I think very, very few people take the time to deeply consider what they want to do with their lives. When if you just had a little bit of clarity, you could then begin building toward that in some capacity. I think that's a great place to wrap. Cool. Any, any anything any else? Yeah. Anything else on new year's resolutions, annual reviews or whatever? Um, no, nah, I'm good. I would just say like, yeah, take, take time to celebrate what was, um, what you achieved, what, what happened unfolded for you this past year. And really, if I hear anything at the heart, it's 
to just identify what's most important to you for this next chapter, be it a year, be it three months, be it five years, and give yourself clarity around what's, what are some steps you can take to start walking down that path. Agreed. All right, y'all. Happy New Year. Yeah.